All right. I'd like to direct your attention to the book of Acts chapter 2. And while you're turning to Acts 2, you need to understand the rules of the remainder of this service. Okay? You need to, you need to get what I'm trying to give you or act like you got what I'm giving you. And everybody that's with me, say amen. I think all the little kids that are under five years old are terrorizing their parents in this church. And they're either saying, ladies and gentlemen, or somebody said, pastor, our son is running through the house and all he can say is, ladies and gentlemen. I, I thought, well, you know, it could be a lot worse. Could be a lot worse. All right, Acts chapter 2. Verse number 14, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words, for these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it's but nine o'clock in the morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days. Everybody said, that's now. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I want to talk to us for really just a few minutes tonight, but this is, to me, this is really important stuff. I want to talk to us about the church, a prophetical community. The church, a prophetical community. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Praise you. Thank you for all these visitors with us here tonight. I pray that the Word of God and the Spirit of God would give understanding, direction, revelation, all the things that you intend tonight, God, I pray for. We'll give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. You have to appreciate tonight that you are a part of God's dream. When there was nothing, and that's a very subjective definition, Before Genesis 1 and 1, the Bible says, before the foundation of the world, God had something in mind. 
Now, one of the things I love about an apostolic church and a church that is that is truly blessed to have moves of the Holy Ghost, to have the presence of God in our midst. I do not take it lightly. I do not. It 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 takes some doing to to have have something like this. Um, it is the intention of God that you are here tonight. It is the intention of God that people are saved and live with Him for eternity. But the reality is, is that being made in the image of God, we have the power of choice. God, in his omniscience and in view of the fact that he's omnipotent, he will not violate that. He will not violate the power of an individual to choose. And that is part of the design. Part of God's design is, um, and the more I think about it, it's like, it's like remember the, the old-time bubble gum that you used to get in the big, my wife's got one upstairs for the kids. You put the quarter in and turn the thing, and you, you get the big, they used to call them jawbreakers. And you start chewing on that thing, and it just gets bigger and bigger until you're, you're almost choking on it. But the more that I consider these things and really come to terms with them, see, that's, that's really what it takes if you're really going to understand what you're a part of, is that it is mind-boggling. It is captivating. It, it will mesmerize you. It, it is fascinating what we are a part of tonight. I mean, it's big. It's really big. And it, it, it supersedes everything. And that is one of the reasons why the tactics that are being employed by spiritual wickedness in high places in the world that we're living in is to program people so that their minds are scattered. You can literally program the human mind to become scattered, um, ultimately distracted, to just go through a series of distractions and never really, never really get down to where uh, you can address the things that are in that individual's best interest. There's no time to consider, to ponder, to meditate. That's part of the programming of the spirit world in this hour, which is why I'm glad you're in church tonight because you, you understand that there's more to life than what is going on at the White House, et cetera, et cetera. But this is, the church of the living God is part of God's dream. It is a huge deal. 
And I am convinced that if you really, if you really ever see this thing the way that the Word of God lays it out to be received and to and to understand exactly what the Word of God is saying, where it's not just words on a page and it's not just written by an, a man and it's not, but but there's. It's in 3D. It has a depth to it. It is, it, is, it is just the threshold of a whole other world of, of understanding and existence. If you ever truly get a taste of that, you will never leave the church. You, you might make mistakes, but ladies and gentlemen, God forgives mistakes. God forgives mistakes. Nobody that has really seen this can truly and genuinely walk away from it. It alters, it alters something on the inside of an individual that, that's not easy to articulate. It's not easy, and, and the Holy Ghost can give the ability to articulate mysteries the Bible says that we are the stewards of the mysteries. And so this is not a carnal thing. It's not a surface thing. It's not a deal for the right hemisphere and the left hemisphere of your thinking. Your heart and your spirit is a gateway into another world, a dimension. And if you ever come to terms with that, you will never backslide. You never will. You might make mistakes, but you will never leave because it is so captivating and riveting that you realize that none of us can escape. And so you and I are here tonight, and we are part of God's dream. And one of the things that is extremely sobering about Acts chapter number 2, in this particular passage that I read in your hearing tonight, is that God had a specific ideal for the church. And as we read these verses, I'm not going to read them, but we're going to review them here um, in just a few minutes. But you come to grips with the fact that God intended for everybody to operate in the supernatural. I am not talking about Gibberish, I am not talking about um, charismatic appeal. I'm not talking about anything that is flash in the pan. I'm talking about something that is genuinely from God. But what these, what these scriptures reveal to us is that God, his desire was that the New Testament become a supernatural community. 
But the reality of it is, upon a little closer inspection, it really began in the Old Testament. Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number 9, speaking about Abraham. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him of the same promise. This is exactly why um, I taught a devotion on this about four or five days ago where it said, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. How could God ever hate a person? And you have to understand that Esau was raised in the same tent with grandfather Abraham. They didn't have anything else to talk about. I mean, they might have, but it would always come back to this divine fascination that Abraham had with God. What are we doing out here? Well, God spoke to me to come into this land and everywhere that the sole of my foot was to touch, it's going to be given to my progeny. And that's you, Isaac, and that's you, Jacob and Esau. And don't you know that they heard every time that that Abram, they could probably rehearse the stories and they could probably rehearse the stories that Isaac had when God spoke to him and said, you stay in this land, don't go to Egypt like your, like your father did. But Esau said, I'm not interested in any of this. Do I have to hear this story again? To the point that he was willing to trade supernatural things. And God said, I hate that. But this supernatural fascination did not just begin on the day of Pentecost. It started with a man by the name of Abraham. Go to the next verse, please. Verse 10. For he looked for, now this is incredibly prophetical. In fact, this is not, this is not covered anywhere in Holy Writ in the Old Testament, not in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, none of the other translations, it's nothing of this sort is found there. It is found in the greatest New Testament commentary of the Old Testament, the book of Hebrews. For Abraham looked for a city, a community, which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham journeyed and sought, and somehow, somewhere, the Holy Ghost got on the author of Hebrews and gave him insight into the heart of Abraham, that he was looking for community. He was all alone. All he had was his family. He was looking for community. But God had to start with somebody. I mean, there's a lot of people in this church, you're the only one in your family that is saved. You hold your head up, you live for God because you could be the very medium whereby God brings your family in or God brings a cousin in or God brings a, a, a distant relative in. And, and you, 
I've seen it. God's doing it. God's doing it in this hour. But Abraham was the father of the faithful. He was a prototype of a New Testament saint that not is walking in the topography and geography of the unknown, but traveling every day into the future of the unknown. So we are designed for the supernatural. We are designed for the unknown. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, very familiar passage of scripture, scripture, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. When I was a new convert, that was my favorite scripture. But that scripture does not begin in the New Testament. That scripture is talking about every single person in the kingdom of God is part of a royal priesthood. No, you got to get this tonight. Somebody yawned in the, in the back of the church. Oh, I'm done. Yawning is the most contagious thing among human beings. If you promise, everybody look up here. Don't blink. And if you promise not to blink and promise not to yawn and look like you're fascinated with what I'm talking about, we'll be out of here in just a few minutes. You got to get this. I, I've, only got, I've only got one page of notes. Not that that really matters, but that's meant to comfort you in your affliction. This is a revelation. Notice with me in 1 Peter 2 that every single person that is in the kingdom of God, this was penned by the apostle Peter. It's part of the general epistles that was written to the entire church from that day forward. But ye are a chosen generation, everybody. You are a royal priesthood, everybody. You are in a holy nation, everybody. You are a peculiar people, everybody. That word peculiar does not mean odd or queer. It actually comes from a word that's, that means pecuniary, which is talking about money. It means a movable treasure. Peculiar was a movable treasure. What is incredible about this is that God really tried to convince people in the Old Testament of that very scripture. Go to Exodus 19. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all the people, for all the earth is mine. Next verse and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests. Really? Really? He already had Aaron, the high priest, and the sons of Aaron, but then there was an entire tribe dedicated to the priesthood. 
But that was not what God intended. God intended for all the nation of Israel to be a priesthood. But according to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, with many of them, God was not well pleased. They, were, they disqualified themselves. God tried to convince his people in the Old Testament, I see you all to be priests. I see you all to be in leadership. I see you all to be a part of a holy nation. But God is a realist, and he had to adjust his supernatural plan. And the reality of it is, not everybody was a priest. But that is what God wanted. Look at, um, look at Numbers chapter 11. Not only did God see his people, everybody to be part of the priesthood, but he saw everybody had the potential, could have had the ability to be prophetical. Look at Numbers chapter number 11. And the Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be the elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation, that they may stand there with thee. Verse number 17. And I will come down and talk with thee there, and I will take of the spirit which is upon thee, and will put it upon them. This is a microcosm. A microcosm means that it is a small chunk of a larger portion in this, in this example that God wanted to have on the larger chunk but couldn't do it, just like he couldn't get everybody to be a priesthood, just like he couldn't get everybody to operate under the Spirit, so he had to have just 70. It is the will of God that his dream is a supernatural community. It's, it's, this is mind-boggling to me. You know, I'm probably talking to myself tonight, but please just bear with me in my folly. And they shall bear the burden of the people with thee that thou bear it not thyself alone. Verse 24, and Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord and gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and set them round about the tabernacle. Verse 25, and the Lord came down in a cloud and spake it unto him and took of the spirit that was upon him and gave it unto the 70 elders. And it came to pass that when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. Wow. Wow and did not cease. I do not believe that I am the only person in this church that can be called of God, sent of God, and anointed to do something. I do not believe that. I have never believed that. So what I'm trying to do is convince somebody sitting out there that maybe you could change your world and be part of God's dream. I'm not the only one. I've never thought I was the only one. 
Let's, let's continue on here. Go to verse 26. But there remain two of the men in the camp, two of the 70. The name of the one was Eldad. The name of the other was Medad. And the spirit rested upon them. They were of them that were written. They were of the 70, but went not out unto the tabernacle. 68 went to the tabernacle with Moses, and two stayed behind and preached to the people. And they prophesied in the camp. Let me fill in a couple blanks for you. There were some that came to Moses and said, hey, we're over here at the tabernacle, and you got two guys back over here that are preaching in the camp. There were three tribes on the north, three tribes on the south, three tribes on the west, three tribes on the east. Everyone's tent flap pointed towards the tabernacle. They were all pointed towards the middle. And listen to what Moses responded to the people that were criticizing the guys prophesying. Look at verse 29. And Moses said unto him, Envious thou for my sake? Look at this. Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets? Let's lift our hands and give God the praise. This is part of God's dream. There is so much that we have in our modern deal that is so traditional. We're on a journey to become more apostolic. And to have a supernatural community. Not fragmented. But with solidity. That is God's dream. Of course, this was God's supernatural ideal that they would be part of a priesthood and that all of them would prophesy. But God is a realist and understood the limitations. And this is not intended to make you feel bad. Well, pastor, I'm just... I'm just a slob doing my job. I love you. You're great. Don't quit your job. Don't, don't backslide. I'm just preaching to you God's dream. God's people were not ready. And so God, when they came back from Babylonian captivity, which is known as the exile, there was pre-exile, exile, post-exile. Major prophets were pre-exile. Post-exile was minor prophets. During the exile was people like Daniel, which all of his prophecies were way in the future. But one of the minor prophets, once the nation of Israel, post-exile, coming back from captivity, one of the minor prophets, and nobody knows exactly when the book of Joel was written. They're not exactly sure when the book of Joel was written. 
but it was extremely prophetical. And this prophecy is in there, Joel chapter 2, verse number 28, and it shall come to pass afterward. God never gave up on his dream that everybody would be part of a supernatural community. Well, Pastor, I don't want that. Yeah, you do. You just need to pray. <laughs> I don't want that. I want, I want to be part of, of what the organization is. Ladies and gentlemen, thank God for organization, for reaching the world and keeping the young people together. But ladies and gentlemen, nothing is going to supersede the church of the living God. You can't improve on this. And to add something auxiliary to that, instead of just getting the raw intensity of what this reveals to us, is not an escape for us and not an excuse for us. This is God's dream. They weren't ready when they left Egypt. Abraham longed to see a community of people just like him. Guided by promises, building altars, just walking around. Nobody to talk to but Isaac and Jacob and Sarah and Rebecca. Where's that supernatural? Where's people like me that were called out of darkness, called out of sin, called out of people that don't believe God? called out of the waters of the Euphrates. That, you know, that's where Abraham was originally from, was the banks of the Euphrates River. That's not where we see him in Genesis 12, but that's where he started, was on the banks of the Euphrates River, which is, has major implications in end-time prophecy. So Joel... The prophet was just obeying the Holy Ghost, and he, here it is. Here's the fulfillment of what Joel said. Go to Acts 2. And many of you could quote the scripture because we know it and love it so well. Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you. Hearken to my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, seen as but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. They have already heard, every man heard them speak in his own language. People were there from all over the known world. They were bilingual. They were Jews that made a pilgrimage every year for the Feast of Pentecost. And when they got there, there was an explosion in an upper room. And people started magnifying God and worshiping God and speaking the wonderful things of God. And every man heard him in his own language, wherein they were born. Even though they were born, the, the diaspora, the dispersal, the diaspora had already taken place. And there were Jews all over the known world. There's been a series of dispersals through history where the nation of Israel has been flung all over the world. But they were already coming from as far as Europe all the way into Africa, and they were bilingual. They spoke Hebraic, and they also spoke the language 
of the nations they were born in. And every man heard them speak in his own language the wonderful works of God. But it was announcing a supernatural community. <laughs> hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, man, hallelujah. I'm halfway done with my notes. And you're doing a great job following along. All right. Let's keep reading. Watch this. Oh, pastor, I've seen that a zillion times. Look at this. It shall come to pass in the last days. I will pour out of my spirit on Moses, on the 70, on just Israel. I already showed you in the Old Testament, it was on Moses. Then it was on the 70. And as Moses said, would to God, everybody would have the ability to prophesy. I'm, I'm going to take a guess. For you clock watchers, I've only been preaching for 30 minutes. It's 8 o'clock. And you'll be able to get your feet in warm, fuzzy slippers and have a warm glass of milk. I'll do my best to make sure that happens. But I don't think the men, I don't think the apostles even had a clue what this really meant. Religiously, they were the most prejudiced people in history. And I'm not saying that evilly, I'm saying that realistically. They hated the Samaritans, they hated the Gentiles. If you were a non-Jew, you were I say that carefully because they're my brothers. But they didn't get this. Because they didn't understand history. The history was God wanted to do this on us a long time. might not have been the Holy Ghost because according to John chapter 7, the Holy Ghost was not yet, for Jesus was not yet glorified, but it could have been the Ruach, which was the Spirit of God that operated prophetically in the Old Testament. But God says, it doesn't matter if anybody's getting it or not. I'm just doing it. Because the Jews could not accept that this is for everybody. They chafed under that. We know this because of the very first council at Jerusalem. They had a hard time receiving that the Gentiles were receiving the gospel. And everybody that was a non-Jew was a Gentile. And so the Jews... They heard this. Peter preached it because the Holy Ghost anointed him to preach it, but he didn't even know, he didn't even comprehend what he was preaching. That's happened to me a lot of times. I'll, I'll be just fl flowing along in the Holy Ghost moving, and I'll say some things that I don't even really understand what was being said. But you have to understand that that's the beauty of, that, of, of being in a church like this is because it's God that does it. 
It's, it's, not, it's not reading a Sunday school program from headquarters. It's, getting, it's preparing yourself to get into that place to where the anointing begins to move and, and the, the preliminary of service is just a runway. It's a long runway. It begins in the prayer room and then, and then it goes into worship service and then we gain some altitude. And once you gain some altitude, apostolic preaching is a supernatural phenomena. Because at any time during supernatural anointed preaching, the man of God could easily move into prophetical and begin addressing situations around that room. And all of a sudden, a person out there says, man, I'm going to receive that. And flies up and their hands go in the air. And a person over here jumps up and takes a lap. And a person over here says, you know what? I, I'm refusing these chains. I ought to be free. And God is moving. And God becomes all in all. Clap your hand to give him praise. That is God's goal, to be all in all. God wanted all Israel to have him. It had to get real, real, real. And now on the day of Pentecost, God is just saying this for everybody. What? Man, we're of our Abraham father, uh, Father Abraham. Don't you know that was an absolute, that was what you call a God smack. Boom. You're of your father, the devil. God smack. This now moved from a group of people that maybe totaled 2.5 million when they came out of Egyptian bondage to now several hundred million. It is going to be multicultural. This, this broke all the norms, okay? I'm almost done. The seats that you're sitting in are highly comfortable. Enjoy them. I'm almost done, though. The revival that God intends for his dream, to facilitate his dream, the logos, the thought, the word, or the expression. was that it's going to remove all of the prejudice, all of the bias, all flesh, yellow, green, black, brown, whiter than sour cream, and all flavors in between. It's for everybody. It's for Seventh-day Adventists. It's for Baptists. It's for Congregationalists. It's for Lutherans. It's for Mormons. It's for Jehovah Witnesses. It's for everybody. See, what the devil did 
is he got people to get back into groups, and that was never God's idea to get everybody huddled around their little, this is our group, and we can't, you know, we, we, this is just the way we are. Believe Our leader in the, in the 18th century believed this, and bless God, we're just, this is who we are. And it was never what God intended. All flesh, Romans, Greeks, pagans, devil worshipers, Everybody, you're in a church that believes that what we have tonight is for everybody. Transgender. If you got a hate sticker on your bumper, you're, gonna, you're not going to like where I'm going right now. This is for everybody. I would like nothing more on Sunday for you to bring some transgender person in here, not so he can be mocked and ridiculed, but that the living God can take ownership and throw the squatter out called the devil and put the power of another world that's part of God's dream. All flesh. All flesh. The Jews had no idea. All flesh? I don't think so. We know that because they they had a few open arguments. Didn't get hostile, but they had a debate. The first general conference of Jerusalem. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Okay, yellow, green, black, white. Eight feet tall, three feet tall. 700 pounds or a shapely 160 pounds. I wasn't talking about me, but thank you. Watch this next one. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. That was totally against the grain of Jewish religiosity. A boy who was not considered a man legally until he was 20 years of age. A man, if he was in the tribe of Levi, was not eligible to be used in the priesthood until he was 30. God said, boys... That's gone. I'm going to use the young people. And I'm going to put enough power on them that they can prophesy. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. This is not just, this is not for the over the 50 crew. This is not for the old people. And I say that out of respect. That's me. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, when I talk about old people, I'm now included in that. Okay. I know you could never guess my age. God's taken really good care of me. But t- trust me, one of these days, I'm going to come in here in a wheelchair. And you're going to say, well, well, well. Finally caught up with him. Let's see you go around the aisles now, big guy. Trust me, I'll have one of these young guys pushing me. I'll be doing wheelies. I'll be doing 360s. In fact, let's get a whole row of wheelchairs. And we'll start, we're starting. 
Don't look at me like that. This is for everybody. It's for that old folks home right across the street from where you live. This is for everybody. This is for young people. Instead of cutting themselves with razor blades, they ought to be in here in this altar. Instead of marking up their bodies and getting piercings. It's for everybody. It's a supernatural community. young people, but prophesy? Yeah. That means an anointed utterance. That means a word that comes from God. I believe this stuff. I believe this is God's dream. I believe this is really what God wants. What we do is we accept these little man-made systems, and we think that's exactly how it's supposed to be. That's not even close to how it's supposed to be. God doesn't need a man-made system to be able to call people out of darkness and send them where he wants to place them and anoint them and have them shake their entire region. This is apostolic. This is part of God's dream. The young people will prophesy. Let's keep going here. Your sons and your daughters, which means it's family. Well, God uses me, but I don't know about him. He didn't clean his room last week. Um, he was pretty good. Him and his brother got to fussing, and he didn't say any Christian cuss words. But I don't know if God can use him. Get out of the way. It's for everybody. Let's clap our hands and give God the praise. We need to. I believe this stuff. So God's going to pour this out. There's not going to be a racial barrier. There's not going to be a religious barrier. There's not going to be a family barrier. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. That is, that is the visionary aspect of prophecy. Revelation and vision are part of this supernatural community that you and I are. That's you. You and I are part of this community. I love it. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit. Every single one of those groups are going to prophesy. Everybody is supposed to be anointed utterance. Anointed, prophesied, just not, you know, God showed me something. <sighs> yeah, I question all that. You know, if we can't win souls, are we expecting God to just use us on the negative? How about the positive? You know, God showed me. I need to knock on your door and give you a Bible study. Is this all right tonight? You want to just have somebody come around and I've got the gift of suspicion. Something bad's going to happen. Something horrible is going to happen. Something really negative is going to happen. I've heard enough of that in my life. Let's get some people, get full of the Holy Ghost, come around. You know what? God wants to do something good in your life today. God wants to bless you today. God's going to use me to bless you today. God, is this all right? 
See, when you're only raised according to man's system, it becomes, it becomes extreme. I'm saying that when you're prophesying, everybody's going to prophesy. This is why the Apostle Paul said, covet the best gifts. I would that you all prophesied. Everybody should be speaking something supernatural. This is a supernatural community. Pastor, I just had to call you up. Could you say something nice to me today? Yes. God loves you and I love you too. Thank you. You're welcome. I don't even need to be prophesying to tell them God loves them. Just the truth. God tried to do it in the Old Testament. But now he says, I ain't waiting on anybody anymore. I'm just going to pour it out on the entire human race. What do you say we get spiritual? What do you say we get spiritual? You know, the Bible said in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, ye that are spiritual, which means there's probably some that aren't very spiritual, but there were some that were spiritual. Okay. I appreciate you listening to this tonight. This is a... This is a passion of mine. I was part of a, a deal a few years ago. I went to a, I went to a life-changing meeting. There was only, I don't know, 30, 35 full-time pastors and evangelists that were in this meeting. We were all praying and fasting, and the Spirit of God did things I can't even describe to you. It was, it was unbelievable. It was powerful, very powerful. And I really do believe that I got a glimpse by being a part of that meeting. I tried to, I brought it home. I brought it back to Spokane. But I realized that when I got to Spokane that I had, I had some work to do. And I realized that I still have some work to do. But I realized that my greatest responsibility is to be an example. If you're visiting us here tonight, this is designed to be a supernatural community where the operation of the gifts See, there's nine gifts, and there's nine fruits. Look at the wisdom of this. The fruits is the spiritual character of Jesus. The gifts is part of the giftedness that the Holy Ghost 
brings to an individual's life. God gave severally, several of the gifts as he wills. And as you continue to mature and become what God wants you to be in community, nobody is going to develop their gifts in isolation. You are deceived if you think that you're going to develop your gifts in isolation. Every once in a while, somebody will say, Pastor, God's showing me things about the church. They are uninvolved. They are not part of what the community is doing. But now what's happened is, is that the enemy has found a voice. When you're in the context of community, it's, it's, it's not the negative. It is the constructive. And it's now what God's doing in me is so wonderful. I want to see God do it in you and God do it in you and God do it in you and God doing it you and God doing it you. And, 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 we don't, and we're not off somewhere being spiritual. That is the opposite of God's plan. And I realize that in a church's side that people have had negative experiences in other churches and in other environments. I can't, not here, not if I got anything to do about it. You've got a gift. You've got several gifts. And by staying in community, we begin to grow gifts. But you grow those fruits so that there is a balance between gifts and fruits so that the gifts are used correctly for the betterment of others and not for personal aggrandizement. So if you're in a trial tonight, it might be that God is preparing you to develop some gifts and some fruits. But in my experience, God is more interested in character. God is more interested in integrity. God is more interested in patience, brotherly love, temperance, faith. Because now you're trusted. You can be trusted with the gift. Somebody that comes in and says, oh, I can, I can just prophesy over everybody. And doesn't have the governance the self-imposed character that is produced of Jesus in a person, that can become very powerful and very damaging. That's why a congregation this size, if somebody tries to get you off and just have like little groups where, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm spiritual, listen to me, listen to me. You know, I, I, I know that the pastor, but this is what's really going on. Get away from that as fast as you can. Because this is a supernatural community. There's no secret closets. There's no fissures. There's no division. It's, 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 there's, it's got to be all in all. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. Let's read the purpose of the gift. Verse number 4. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which worketh Cornerstone is a supernatural community. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen Brother Sergeant you being used of God, just walking up to people and praying with them, encouraging them. See, it's not even your talent. 
that God's looking at developing. Because we can take ownership of that. It's fine to be talented, but when you put that overlaid with the biblical model, the biblical model is Jesus wants to produce himself through you. Welcome to a supernatural community. Let's stand. Let's lift our hands and just give God the praise that we are part of God's dream. Your potential is out of this world. The possibilities and the potential of a church that are pursuing being a supernatural community. I'm not talking about a freak show. I'm not talking about a bunch of mumbo jumbo. I'm talking about being anchored. I want you to listen to me. I'm almost done. I can't get away from this. I'm trying to think how to say this. I need God's help, but there's a few things I need to say tonight. Over the last 29 years, I've seen people come and I've seen people go. And I understand, I mean, it's a free country and all that. But there were some situations that I knew in my spirit that God brought particular people into this congregation to go to the next level. But there is, there is a lot that has to happen in order for that for all the tumblers to line up to where there's there's engagement. Now there's fluidity or solvency and we're moving. We're actually, we're growing again. We're, we're actually moving again. And a lot of that, it's not my fault. But you have to realize that you're becoming everything that God wants you to become which is really where I was going with this tonight, is there is so much giftedness and so much potential, but potential that is not harnessed, it's, just, it's, 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 it's hot air. It's hot air to talk about potential because undergirding potential and possibility, you have chronology. You're only young once. You're only a young person once, and you can only go through some. You can only go through some things when you're a little younger, and you can only go through other things here. And everything has to be timed by God. And what I've tried to do with my life over the last 39 years of living for God is not miss one thing. And I know for a fact that God has led people into this environment to get them to the next level. 
it is not a human thing. It's not, well, the pastor talked to me. It's not that the da-da-da. It's, it's an equation. There's, there's moving parts. There's, there's things that have to come together. And then it begins to move forward. I just wanted to say that because I want you to know that I know that. And I know that sometimes people that people that that move around a little bit and you know, we were hurt here, we got our feelings hurt over here and this happened and stuff that's way out of my way out of my control. I have no explanation for any of it. But we bring all that. And our our senses are heightened to be looking for things that might remind us of the negative or this or that or this. I'm praying. I'm praying for you because you don't belong to me. You belong. You're part of God's dream. And there are very, very capable possibility-filled people in this audience here tonight. I admire you. I respect you. I love you. I just pray God gives you a little more love so you can put up with all my rough edges. And I realize that's part of the, that's part of the deal too. But I'm not perfect. God doesn't, there's no people that's perfect, but God uses imperfect people to do perfect things through him. But I'm just telling you, I feel it so strongly here tonight that there's people that are destined for the prophetical and destined for the supernatural and destined to step into that dynamic dimension where this whole, the colors have a different hue and things are sharp and defined and understanding is there and I'm led of the Spirit. It's powerful. It's really what I was looking for, really what I wanted. This is really what I've really believed God for. That's what I want Cornerstone to be. Not just drift in and drift out and just roll the dice. We'll just, you know, we can just do it anywhere. No, you can't. Destiny has a time and a place, it's an equation. It's an equation. There's only so much time in our lives that we can get a hold of this and put a saddle on it and ride it and enjoy it. Where it's exhilarating. It's an adventure of a million lifetimes. Every, every day, every breath is an opportunity to see God different situations and people and circumstances and life. and Let's lift our hands. I'm done. A prophetical community. Ayala mokota yala baba hasha yala baba yala. By the authority of the name of Jesus, 
love you, God. I love you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Love you. God bless you. Go get some warm milk and cookies. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.